from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello and welcome to Talking Catholic's podcast. It's Carrie Janice here today, and I am excited to be with another good friend of mine, but it's not Mike Walsh today. It is Pete Sanchez. So Pete, welcome. So great to be here with you. You too, Carrie. Thanks so much. This is a... This is uh, always a pleasure to see you, and uh, we're we're on, we're zooming today. We are we are on Zoom. We're back to Zoom for a little while. It's um you know it's not always ideal for us to still get together all the time or schedule wise. So today it's a little easier for us to go on Zoom with our guests that we have, and so um, we are through Zoom. But it's good to see you in through the yes, screen. Yes. <laughs> How you been, Pete? I haven't gotten to talk to you over the whole. Um, pandemic and stuff. I know you've continued working with the Catholic Star Herald, but how, yeah, how is things, things going are, for you? Things are going all right. Um, just trying to keep busy uh, with this time. I'm sure we all are, you know, our routines. So we're, uh, we're really learning new things or trying new things. And one of the things I'm really trying to do is cook more. So I've kind of nice. been trying to perfect actually omelets. My, my, oh, nice. I'm um, a breakfast person. I'm not 100% yet. My skill level is probably about 60%. Um, before all this was probably 30. So. Oh, you're so, you're so honest with yourself. Well, I can't practice. I can't do the flip. That's the thing that's killing me. So uh, um, that's kind of been um, my uh, kind of... Um, not only breakfast but dinner that's too just trying to experiment and you know all this time so i gotta use it i think good for you that's awesome i uh i grew up in north jersey as i mentioned several times especially for our domestic church media listeners who are from all over right. new jersey but i worked in a little bagel shop which i realized they don't have too many of those down in south jersey there's a few but in north jersey they're pretty like on in every town and I learned how to cook breakfast there on the grill. So omelets are one of the only things I actually cook because I am not the cook in my family. My husband is. So I, I can maybe come and teach you how to flip okay. it one day. Well, you know, there's a good bagel place in Cherry Hill. Well, the bagel okay. spot. Um, I actually, I'll have to check yeah, it out. Yeah, I haven't been back there since this uh, quarantine. But um, right. I've been meaning to go back. Normally on Sundays, my family and I would go there. But yeah, I love a good bagel. Um, I found probably, yeah. it's funny you mentioned North Jersey, because there's a place in, uh, I can't remember the name. I remember there's a place called the Picatinny Arsenal that's up there. Um, and I forget I the town, there. but there's a fantastic bagel place up there. If you look at nice. it, oh, well, Sparta, Sparta. Oh, that's yeah. way up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That My sister lives near oh, there. Yeah, so where I, where I was from, it, it, Cambridge Bagel and Bloomfield. Cambridge Bagel Shop in Bloomfield, oh. New Jersey. If you're ever up that way, check it out. It still exists and it still has the, the best bagels. Nice. Um, it's always good to talk bagels. <laughs> I love everything right. bagel. you got to get the everything bagel. You're, so, so you're talking to somebody that used to love bagels and is now gluten-free. So the bagels that are gluten-free <laughs> are like terrible. So you're... 
you're making me jealous at this point. But all right, well, I digress. Let's move on. So, <laughs> I'm, uh, we're ha- we have you back today as, um, as a guest host, which is so exciting because you have a background in writing, right? Did you did you major in that in college? I did. I did English um, undergrad, and then I stayed on at St. Joe's University to get my graduate in writing studies. Nice, nice. So that makes you way more the expert on this topic than me that we have today, which is all about writing and Catholic poetry and a passion for writing with with faith intertwined, right, for today's guest. For our guest today. So are you there, Pete? Okay, cool. So so it's all about writing and Catholic poetry. And so our guest is Nicole Rounder. So, hey, Nicole, you've been with us here listening to us talk about bagels. How are you? I have, and I just had to say, I grew up in North Jersey, and and I I also worked in a bagel shop and a bakery. Oh, my my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) We were meant to talk about it today. Um, Yeah, so the bakery and the bagel shop no longer exist, but I did make the eggs that went on the bagels and then in the bakery de- decorated yep. cakes and everything. So I'm like over there nodding my head. It's <laughs> wild. Where in North Jersey did you grow up? So I grew up in Washington Township and then um, I moved to um, the Bridgewater area and mm-hmm. then moved down here uh, right after I got married. So I've lived all over New Jersey. Yeah, home. yeah, North Central, if you if you believe in a Central and then South. Yeah, yeah, I was a little more, just slightly north of you um, in Bloomfield, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's the best bagels I bet you would say yeah. since coming down here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did the same thing. I moved down here once I got married, so we're 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 see, we're all in good company. You guys got the writing thing. I got the North Jersey thing. <laughs> we all Nicole. got the bagel thing. Is, so. And bagel. we all got the bagel thing. Yeah. That's great. Well, Nicole, it's so good to have you with us. And um, tell us first the name of your your company, and then I'd love for you to talk just a little bit about your background as a Catholic, because I believe you grew up Catholic your whole life. Yeah, um, my business is called uh, Strand Writing Services, um, and I we probably will get into the story about that a little bit. But I feel like uh, God, my faith, kind of led me into launching my own business. Um, but yeah, a Catholic my whole life, uh, went to church every Sunday. Um, when I, uh, met my husband, he was not a Catholic, but shortly after we got married, he converted and mm-hmm. we decided obviously that we would raise our kids as Catholics. And we have two kids who, um, go to St. Mary's school in Williamstown, uh, with our lady of peace parish. And, uh, when we moved down here, and we started attending, um, well, I guess it was St. Mary's Church at the time, right? Right, up. right. But, it, you know, the community is just so amazing there and so welcoming. And so even before we had kids, we were like, yeah, it's amazing that there's a school here. And so my daughter is in fifth grade. My son's in first grade. And, uh, yeah, we I, I will say the live streaming church has been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're talking to the person behind the camera. What is it interesting? What just as far as not being there or not being there, but um, but we have made a point, okay, because we're like we feel kind of bad that we're not actually in the church, so we we do watch it live every week. Right, I um, see you on. But it's but it's it's pretty cool. I mean, we're you know we're kind of sad that we can't go to communion, so it's great that you have the spiritual communion prayer there. My daughter reads it. We all you know pray. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, that's been really great. I've been doing the Wednesday morning masses with mm-hmm. Father Maz, um, and and the different prayers. So that's been really cool to kind of have that, you know, to feel like we can still participate even though we're at home. Although I will say, 
that's part of the quarantine right now <laughs> watching from home but I saw this meme on Facebook and it was this woman like walking into church with the curlers in her hair and the bathroom and the coffee and I'm thinking yep. that's not me mm -hmm. I, love uh, I love my coffee too we are all in good company today. I have coffee here right now too <laughs> nice <laughs> but yeah um so so yeah I mean I've I've been really close to the Catholic faith my whole life and I think um the fact that my parents you know really instill you know I went to a Catholic um grammar school and then high school and I think the fact mm -hmm. that we went to church every Sunday like that that was the thread that really kept me um consistent through all periods right. of my life and at least you know tied my faith um in a really good way really strong way that's awesome that's beautiful and it's so great to hear that you still watch faithfully as a family the mass and you know God willing maybe what even by the time this airs we'll be back at least to mm -hmm. a small percentage of people allowed with social distancing, but still allowed to go to mass. And I know you're one of the people that I've seen in mass all the time uh, on Sunday mornings with their family. It's beautiful with your two kids. I always see them there. And your, your daughter is also involved in my youth ministry as the youngest youth ministry. So I hope she continues through the year. So you could see your faith really woven in, in your entire life and your family's life, which I think is, is beautiful. And then it got, it got woven into your, so you're writing as well, right? So Pete, you're going to lead us off yeah, with some of those, just, those questions. I'll turn it well, over I'm to curious. You. I was reading some of the stuff and um, that you talked about and that you were you sent us uh, your writing and beautiful, beautiful stuff, beautiful not only poetry but prose. And uh, I really was touched by it, Nicole. I really and you uh, you name dropped a few saints, which is pretty cool too. Uh, so we'll get into all that and we'll even have maybe a little poetry reading later on uh, that would be yes. awesome so you just say how did you how did you get into writing how did that how long has that been a part of your life i mean honestly it, it was pretty easy because when i was four i was like i'm going to be a writer and then i just followed that path i mean like you pete i i i mean i got my degree in undergrad in literature and then I went on to get a graduate degree um in poetry and it's like funny talk, yeah. well, I'm getting my MFA in writing poetry people were like you're just sitting there writing poetry and I'm like no well, we also you know taught and and learned all you know did different things but um it was pretty much a constant it was almost like I couldn't not do it if that makes sense it was just part of who I was and so I always did it um I went through a period of time where I was like oh I'm gonna be an archaeologist and I'm gonna go to the Holy Land or Egypt or something. And then I was like, mm. oh, maybe that might be too dangerous. So I'll just be a writer. <laughs> um, but even my career, I mean, I really kind of uh, worked in magazines most of my career until I started my business. So I think it's always just been really part of me and, and what I do. Like I have piles of poetry books everywhere. And I, I know it's not, you know, say the, the mainstream thing, uh, you know, because if you tell people you're a poet, they think it's like rhymy stuff or like, old-fashioned formal type verse or Shakespeare or something like that mm -hmm. but, there's, but there's but there's a thriving I mean you know there's a thriving community of, of people writing poetry and the internet has really you know transformed how you can meet other people who are writing and how you can share your work digitally and yeah. so you can write a poem you can put out yourself and get published in a journal and it's out there and people can read it. And I, I think it's a, a pretty amazing thing. And I even noticed that more, there are more Catholic publications and websites popping up um, featuring Catholic poets, which I think is really cool. 
So there's an intersection of, you know, religion and, and art. Now, it's interesting having this podcast with you, Nicole, because when this pandemic started, I was trying to really make sense of everything. And one of the ways I did it is I started writing some poetry and specifically haikus. I was writing haikus, mm -hmm. which is a, a five seven five format for mm -hmm. those who don't know. Um, it kind of, is that words, Pete? Is that five oh, words? Five seven syllables. Words, five words. Seven syllables. A five, syllable. Sorry, Carrie. I didn't. Well, I am like so. I'm going to be asking all the questions <laughs> that maybe listeners might be asking because I, this is not my field. Although I will say, as I was an art major in college, fine art and graphic design. It, it kind of all falls under the arts, like, yeah. and that for that respect, I do appreciate it so. You do so have a much. creative spirit too, Karen. I mean, <laughs> um, thank you. So, well, yeah, I mean, getting to that, Nicole. So, I was trying to make sense of what was going on around me. Is that kind of why you write too, to try to make sense of things? Yeah, I, I think I think that's that's a good way to put it. And um, I also uh, am managing editor on Thrush Literary Journal, um, and we noticed um, when the pandemic started, we had a huge influx in submissions of poetry from people who said, mm. you know, I've never written a poem before, and this coronavirus, um, the poems weren't good. I'm saying, but but <laughs> but the written word and and poetry especially. People go to it when they're they're feeling emotion, um, and I always feel like if there's chaos, you can create art out of chaos. You can create this sense of, out of the chaos. And then what's even better is when you write something like that, somebody else can enter that space, can hear the poem, can read the poem, and they see their own experience in it. You know, it's like if you think about Jesus, you know being a human and you know with kids my kids are always asking well why did you do this why did you do that you know things like that and so it mm -hmm. simplifies it but when you think about his human experience and we look at that we're like oh well if he went through that then we can go through that or here's what we learned from him and so I think that's kind of a, a good way to think about poetry through the lens of faith it's a way to relate to others to not feel so alone to feel connected um when we feel often you know when we often do feel disconnected from you know people God sometimes you know, we're unsure of, of where we're going. And, and then the other thing, too, is that I remember when I was younger and I would read poems that had been written, you know, a thousand years ago or even saints like Hildegard um, von Bingen, that, that mm -hmm. not, you know, from the 1100s. And she wrote a lot of uh, chants that became, you know, sort of chants, uh, like a little bit of offbeat Gregorian chants. And you think to yourself, you can still read those words, their experiences from a thousand, two thousand, whatever years ago. Um, so the written word is pretty powerful. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I think I think it is definitely something, and you know, the idea of oral history is like passing down what we experienced during this time. So in a hundred years, when people look back at this time, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna see all the videos and all of that, but they're also gonna read things that they wrote. And one of the, no. yeah. oh, I'm sorry, Go ahead, um, you were you name dropped Anne Lamott in one of your writings, I saw, and oh, yes. I actually just reread her book, Bird by Bird. And, yeah. Okay, so you're familiar. Well, I love that one of the final sentences it talks about how writing, the act of writing is there's a storm around us, but we're learning to dance in it. We're learning to sing in it. That's how deep. Do you agree with that? Yes, writing. 
I, I will say this: writing is not "quote unquote" fun, right? It's because you, because you're getting something out, you're refining something, you're you know you may be experiencing feelings. And for me, I do it as my job and also as my my artistic craft. So when you end up producing something meaningful and beautiful, it's like it's amazing. But the act of doing it can be can be hard. You know, you can hear all the cliche writer's block, but I mean that is a thing, and we don't always know the next word to say and the next word to write. Um, but we're brought through. And a lot of, you know, poets who admire, who've written lots and lots of books will say, finish the book, and now, like, what? What if I can never do it again? Because there's this idea of the muse and inspiration and and how do you find your way through it? Because it was something that didn't exist, and now it exists because you created it. Like, you know, art. So it's, it is a process. It's a process that you're trying to navigate your way through, and no matter how much you do it, there's not necessarily a clear path into the next poem. Like we have rituals, we have processes, we have things that we do, we get better at it, you know, but, but it is always sort of um, like that, those first steps into the end, like you said, into the storm. Um, mm. Wow. Like finding your way. But there is something truly amazing when you do write something that, that affects people or touches people or, or helps them in some way that, that never, you know, people who say, Oh, I write for myself. I'm like, well, you might, but there's also something really amazing about putting it out there into the world and, and helping other people and connecting with other people through it. I'm curious, Nicole, has there ever been a time or a specific poem that really has gotten a lot of feedback positively that it touched people's uh, mind and heart that you've written? Or a piece of writing, not necessarily a poem. Um, you know, you were uh, you were talking about. I think you were reading maybe Ruminate magazine. There were some pieces there. I think that's what you're talking about the, the prose. Um, for a while, I, I wrote um, kind of lyric essays for Ruminate magazine, and I wrote about quite a few topics, like my son being born um, nine weeks early, and then a car accident that I had been in while my kids were in the back seat of the car, mm. and. I, f I found that some of those pieces um, that were very human and about the, the experiences, you know, the things we go through in our bodies, but then connecting that to the spiritual, um, I found that those people would say, oh, I went through that, or wow, that car accident, you know, I, something like that happened to me and I felt this and this and this. Um, mm -hmm. And so I feel like the, the, one, the pieces that really are speaking to the common experience that many, many of us go through but, you know, it's funny because you say, oh, birth, well, that's so common, or car accident, that's so common, but it's not common when it's your story, you know, and yeah. then I think sometimes when you, when you find those commonalities, I mean, I am sitting here with, like, this is my desk, and I've got this pile of poetry books, right, but I've got books all over my house, and, and the reason is because I'm always going into them and looking for common experiences with other poets, and so that's how you find the ones that you love and you read over and over, so, um, I think throughout my career, there, there definitely have been different different ones, but but the, the ones I think on, on birth and, and the car accident um, were pretty universal in, yeah. in people relating to that's, them. That's interesting that you yeah. talked about wanting to be an archaeologist and then now you're a poet because this right. kind of, with archaeology, you're, you're looking for things, you're discovering that art of discovery, and that's kind of what you're doing. They kind of, they're very, they're similar. In a lot of ways, the uh, you're trying to um, you're digging for something. Yeah, I think yeah. also telling tell like retelling family stories 
um, you know, my, my grandmothers are deceased now, but my maternal grandmother, her mother was from Poland and they had a really, like, they, they came over, you know, in very early 1900s and um, her parents came separately on two different ships and they didn't speak English. And, you know, so she would tell me these stories and there was this interesting um, intersection of like Catholicism and like kind of old world, you know, superstition um, that came together and she would tell me these stories. And so these stories weave through my poems too. And so I think, wow, so somebody who's no longer here and they were, you know, their stories now are here and someone else listens to them. And so we kind of pass that on and pay that forward and kind of give witness to those experiences. Um, but I guess that's what all stories do in a way. Uh, we just are telling, you know, even our voice, our inflection, just just the way we tell it can slightly change it, change somebody's experience of hearing it, and then how they tell it and pass it on. Wow, such great points. I'm learning so much that I'm getting very <laughs> educated. I think this is actually going to help me in the future tell stories better and, and deliver speeches better just by hearing how you talk and what you're you're sharing to be able to, you know, share it in that way that really um it changes it you're right it changes it even how you say in your voice and also thank you for this education i'm enjoying this i hope our listeners are too as they listen along so nicole you mentioned a little earlier in in our talk here that god really led your business he he really led you to it and um, for what i heard from it it sounded so beautiful and i love for you just to share a little bit maybe how that happened in your life uh, because there's a lot of people out there that are not happy with what they're doing. They're like, ah, what is next? And sometimes it, it requires a leap of faith, which I think I would presume probably happens somewhere along the lines. Yeah, it, it actually, it's, it's a good story uh, because I had been in my corporate job for 11 years and I was really tired. Um, I had a long commute and, um, but it was, but I had a good job, you know, I was an editor in chief of uh, magazines and headed up content marketing and professional development departments, but I was so tired. And I was also torn because I really, I felt like I wanted to be there for my kids, but I, I would go off to work, right? And I, I was already doing what I could do. Like I would work at home some days and I, my, my mom would watch, my husband worked his schedule so that we didn't have to use daycare, but it was, it was really hard. And then one night I was like, I went to go pick up my kids from my mom's house and I ugly crook cried in her bathroom. I was like, I, I, how can I keep doing this? Like I'm so physically tired. And the next day they called me down to HR and said, your position is being eliminated. And, wow. And so, you know, I went through the whole gamut of emotions, you know, humiliation, yes. sadness, anger, why? I mean, you know, it just, it turned out it was a, a financial decision. Um, but when I called my husband, he's like, that's great news. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> but, but, but this is, but this is the funny thing. Um, I started applying for jobs. I thought it would be super easy for me to get one with my qualifications. I didn't get one not like one job offer and this went on for a few months and then this idea came into my mind maybe i should launch my own business from home and not every not everybody in my life was like you should totally do it i mean there was not one negative voice you know there's always one person who's got something yeah. to say but there was nobody this time everybody was like go for it and my parents thought it was great so my mom started praying for me every day for the Aww. business to work and she still prays for me every day so it's like almost three years later and then she had some people praying for me and it was so strange how I had never run a business and yet things kept kind of working. It was like, you know, in business they say, just take the next right step, the next inspired action. And I started doing that and things started unfolding. And so 
as my severance package for my job was about to run out, I was like, I got to do this. Like this has to happen. And the next month I started making money writing, you know, reaching out to companies and writing and making money. And like, listen, it's not like I haven't had ups and downs along the way because being an entrepreneur has ups and downs and you're trying things and learning things. But I'm here with my kids every day. I don't ever have to worry anymore about if there's a snowstorm, if there's ooh, a pandemic, who's going to watch them? Here I am. Right, right, uh, right. It's not a challenge of finding, like figuring out the balance of, you know, doing your work. Like today I got up at 5 a.m. So I'm a little twitchy, that's why. Um, but I got <laughs> that's up. why you got your coffee. Right, that's <laughs> right. So not that it's perfect, but I will say that it's amazing how I found business coaches to teach me the right things at the right time, the right people who were kind of doing the things that I wanted to do, finding the skills that I needed. And even my husband said, I can't believe how much you succeeded in your first year. Like, I, I don't, he was like, I don't even know how this could happen. And I was like, well, it, it, it's God, right? And so I started praying more myself. I started saying the, um, you know, chaplain of divine mercy every night. Um, and other prayers and, and just really started thinking like, wow, there, and Padre Pio, he's one of my favorites, um, just started really praying a lot and feeling like how amazing it is that to see God work in your life. I mean, just a few months before I was laid off, I thought to myself, how amazing it would be to work from home and not to have to worry anymore about business meetings and business trips and who's going to be with my kids. Mm-hmm. And, and they, and, and then here it is and it's happening and it's succeeding. And even despite the pandemic, I'm still working. And I said, wow, if that happened now, I wouldn't be prepared, but now I can't be laid off anymore. I can lose yeah. clients. Sure. But I can find new clients. And so it was a leap of faith, but then my faith has been rewarded watching how I've been able to sustain what I needed with the money that I needed um, to, to do this. And it feels sustainable that it could be something I could do for the long term. At first it was like, I was just so afraid I would lose it. The freedom mm-hmm. that I had, it was so mm-hmm. afraid I would lose it. And then I started to get more comfortable and say, well, you know, God led me to this, you know, and my kids now say, it's amazing that you're here. Like we can't imagine you not being here. Like don't go back to a job. Right. Um, right. So that was like a huge, a huge thing that I went through. Um, and, and I think, and so every day when I'm say trying to figure out how to make it all work in that particular day, you know, I try to come back to that place of, yeah, it, it may be a little hard right now if I'm, the kids are, work, you know, trying to do their homework and I've got a client deadline or whatever, but God kind of brought this all together, you know, and he's like, this is where you're living this place in this time now. And and so I'm giving you need to get through it and be okay. Wow. That is incredible. I love hearing these stories. And I, and, you know, you said something that really, was a key thing for me, how you continue to pray. Your mom continues to pray. These prayer Mm -hmm. warriors continue to pray for your business. I'm a small business owner as well. In Mm -hmm. addition to being a youth minister, you know that Nicole, for our listeners, they don't know. And 
you know, I always think about how God led me to the different things, you know, that I do in my life. I, as I mentioned earlier, I was a graphic designer, but I lost that job. And, and nine months later, a door opened up for youth ministry. And I've been in that way longer than I ever was in graphic design. So uh, God really does lead you in different ways. But I have to remember, you just brought such a great point for any listeners out there that are business owners to pray for your business in general and thank God for it. That's such a key thing that you mentioned there. Very inspiring to uh, to small business owners, especially especially during these times. You know, so many people have been hit in different ways uh, right now with uh, difficulties, especially as small business owners and with the pandemic and everything else going on in our country. So it's a really difficult time, I think. Um, and, and to remember to pray just to thank God for what we have, you know, and that freedom with your family. What a gift. What a gift. Your children will never forget this time that you've been able to spend with them at home. That's awesome. And, and oh, I was sorry. Go ahead. Be, no, you're no, up, you're well, up, with your, you talked about your clients with your business. So, so who are your clients? Nicole, what can you speak a little bit more about uh, your strained writing services? Yeah, um, I mean, most of my clients are businesses. A lot of them are in the uh, their their apparel companies, you know, clothing companies, um, because that was the industry that I came from, the, the magazines that I was in. But but I really have clients across the spectrum, you know, in architectural glass and you know wellness and health and fitness and and some of the arts. Um, most are companies, but I also do work with small business owners because I have obviously a soft spot for people who are entrepreneurs and, and taking that leap. And it's, you know, just because a lot more people are doing that anyway. Um, and, you know, really what, what's interesting too, is that I have um, a journalism background and, you know, an editorial magazine background. And then somewhere along the way, you know, when everything started going digital, content marketing um, started become more of a thing. So, you know, content that educates, but still talks about a brand, but it needs to be written well. It has to be written editorially. And so in the job that I was in, I was able to kind of straddle that fence and, and do both. So then coming into my business, I had to learn how to run a business, but I already knew how to write content marketing. And, and especially now with everything just, you know, being online, every single company needs some kind of writing. And it's funny because Sometimes people ask me what I do. So I'll say, well, I'm, I'm a writer. And they're like, oh, cool, romance novels. I'm like, what? And then, <laughs> so, no, I, I write for businesses. And they're like, what, what, what could you possibly write for them? And I'm like, website copy, blogs, product descriptions, like yeah. the, the copies. Like, but it's, it's funny because it, you know, it's almost like the forest for the trees kind of thing. There's so much writing, I mean, video scripts, social posts. Uh, ebooks. I mean, there's so many different types of content that companies want to put out. Companies are almost like their little, their own little like media channels. So mm-hmm. almost every company can use um, services like mine. And that's you're like flexing yeah. your muscles because you have different companies. They have different uh, people that they're attracting. Different, different, uh, just things that they're doing. So you, I'm sure you have to know a lot about. You, you're going from one to another. Um, you know, you're learning a lot about different businesses. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I think part of, you know, having journalism background, learning about different industries, and then you kind of uh, cross that with, you know, conversion copywriting, which is like the art of writing copy that gets people to buy, but it's not, it's not like smarmy. It's, it's, you know, helping people where they need help. So if it's, you know, an article about, you know, hearing aids or 
talking to people about living their best life and, and why hearing is important and giving them information to educate them and then hoping to move them along in the process. So um, it's definitely interesting. And then people hire someone like me, say, as opposed to having someone in-house is because maybe they have a short-term project or, you know, people in-house in their marketing department or something, they're overloaded and they need, you know, somebody else on the outside who's just doing that. Maybe they want their whole website rewritten and they're like, well, if we have someone on the outside sending us the content, but a lot of the companies I work with, I, I stay with for the long term. you know, that, that I've worked with them for months and months and even some for two years. So it's, you know, it's definitely a good arrangement. And, um, you know, especially with being able to run a business from your home office and your overhead is your computer and I guess your brain. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty cool to, you know, I mean, you know, five, six, seven, like if, if this happened to me at a different point in time, I'm not sure I'd be in the same place. I mean, it's similar with, with poetry, like even back in 2012, it was, uh, you know, a lot of people were not online with poetry and journals and now everybody is online and you, a lot, you almost don't want your poetry published in a print journal because nobody's going to see it. You want it online so that people can see it and they can share it and read it. Um, and so everything is online, which can be good and bad, but it's good, obviously, because we can watch mass live stream from the church. So mm -hmm. <laughs> technology definitely has its advantages. Yeah, so. that's for sure. That is one thing I learned. I always believed in that and I believed in using technology for the good. But through this pandemic, it really um, fired down in me like wow like or just pound compounded in me that yes technology is can be used so much for the good but, well right now we're on a zoom call i mean three mm -hmm. we're in three different places and yet we're all sharing yeah. this this topic it's so cool it's so cool so um Michael, you mentioned a few saints already you said saint hildegard i, I love her she's a great saint yeah. um and and another love of mine saint padre pio mm -hmm. um are they particular influencers or are there any other influencers of saints or even just devout Catholics that have influenced you and your writing throughout and of course your faith throughout your, your years? I really, I really am attracted to the, the visionary type, um, the mystic type, um, just because I think that that transcends, I mean, Hildegard, obviously she wrote poetry. She had mystic visions, although I, I know that, um, she was accused of having visual migraines and that's why she would see like a fire of fire. But you know, her, um, Teresa of Avila, um, is another huge one. Um, I, I really, uh, also, um, seeing Teresa, the little flower, just because of, mm -hmm. of how, how, uh, peaceful her, her life was and how, you know, it, it's like, you can, maybe I'm not doing something extraordinary, but I can do something small and that will be enough. Mm -hmm. Um, even Padre Pio, he said something like, you know, becoming perfect isn't easy. Like, it's going to take your whole life to get there. So just do it a little bit at a time. Um, I don't know if you heard this, but um, in Italy, when this pandemic was going on, somebody said, a nurse said that she approached, um, there was a hospital, and she went and she looked in the room, and there was a little boy in the bed, and she saw this old man, like, kneeling next to the bed. And she's like, get out of there. Like, you know, she thinks it's the grandfather's stuck, and he turned, it was Padre Pio. And then he disappeared, oh, wow. and the boy, um, you know, the next day made a full recovery. So, oh, wow, I didn't hear that one. That is pretty awesome. He's on social media, so I guess take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, there's just so many stories. Yeah. Also, Maria Esperanza, like her stories, you know, uh -huh. that, that, you know, are so inspirational. But this idea that 
you know, God is going to be able to communicate to us through mm-hmm. people, through dreams, through visions. Um, so he's still communicating with us in this really kind of um, mystical way, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You said some of my same favorites that you mentioned, of course, Servant of God, Maria Esperanza and Padre Pio. And I think in our parish, in our area as well, they're well devout um, saints, well-known saints, you know, Father Maslow's St. Padre Pio. So we right. hear a lot of homilies that incorporate him, yeah. which is, which is really cool, you know, cause he's a, an amazing saint and inspiring in so many ways. So inspiring. That's great. One of the things I, I saw you wrote, Nicole, just getting to the, I love how you say, if I can read read your writing, is that okay? Do you mind? I just quote yeah. You yeah. say, when I write, I write alone, but I also write alongside many other souls cloistered within still bodies. We write our nows into forever. Like, I love that. I'm going to, because that goes into the whole making sure um, that, you know, you're, you're writing something that's going to stand the test of time. Yeah, and I think I guess that's our that's our hope as artists. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this poet Rainer Maria Rilke. He's, um, you know, yeah. So he, I don't know if he was particularly religious, but he went to this monastery and he was there for some period of time. He wrote like a poem a day, and he wrote this book called Love Poems to God. So I don't know if it's particularly Catholic, but I think what's amazing about it is that it's just so. Uh, raw and heartfelt and he talks about his relationship with God as if God you know needs us to love him like humanizing God you know personalizing God and and you know so you see the shades of emotion that Jesus um, displayed you know when when Lazarus died and he he cried you know and it's like we're going to raise him from the dead but you're crying you're feeling that grief and so Roka does that and I think um, often when I write I imagine him in that cloister and writing these poems to God. And I think that was a shift. At some point in time, I came across that book and, and I have a lot of his, I have like all of his books basically up to right here. Um, but I, I that, so that's what I imagine that we're all kind of writing together, we're experiencing life together. And if we can write it down and, and there's something, I think, I think that God does inspire us when we write, hopefully that we're, we're putting some truth about our experience here and what we should be doing into the world. Um, so that's why I, I do write a lot about like the cloistered images, um, you know, even the idea of like cathedrals and the medieval art and how that was the way that people got educated, you know, about the faith back then. Um, we, we went to France a uh, number of years ago and I remember going into Chartres and, and seeing like, I mean, the, I mean, you can't even imagine how high, right. It goes. And, and, and it's like, it's, it's so we're thinking, how do we build this? Like, you know, yes. years ago, but it's, it's just so amazing, but that experience and then the stained glass and the Gregorian chants and all of that, it, it, there's something about it that just evokes the, the ascendance you know, to heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think sometimes being in those types of spaces or evoking that, you know, when I sit down to write is, you know, sort of alters my mind into a, a different place to, to kind of write about those things. I'm curious as a, as a writer, do you, write like to write when it's completely silent do you like meditative music on like instrumental music or like how how is it that you sit down to write your stuff well it, it kind of depends you know with kids and pandemic right. and all but um so are the kids screaming in the background when you're writing <laughs> right i i actually i actually listen to gregorian chants a lot it's okay. something um i've always been into but i got into more recently 
So I'm still kind of like listening to different, you know, interpretations and different people who, who do this and different monasteries and stuff. But I find that that almost has like this, like this, I don't know, this mind, I don't want to say mind altering because it makes it sound like drugs, but it's like, it's like there's something about like the sound waves or that something about it, the vibrations maybe that just like uh, makes you a lot calmer um, and, and helps you tap in someplace different. So I used to listen to like more upbeat music when I like dance music or something when I wrote. And then I started listening to Gregorian chants and I found that that's almost more inspiring. You know, it, it, it makes, it propels the writing along even, even better. But yeah, usually I have to listen to something because there's always background noise here. Um, <laughs> the downfall from at working from home, right? Does right. That, yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's not all sunshine and roses. It's like, yeah. you know, I know people will put it, oh, my life is, you know, it's paradise. And it's like, but it, you know, but it's not. But I think what it is, is it's big picture. It's like the big picture right. of how you look at it. You know, nothing is ever perfect all the time. How could it be? I mean, but yeah, but I think the big picture of being able to say, I can run a business from home. I can write poetry from home. I can reach people on the internet, you know, and I can then go out of this room and see my kids. Um, right. And, and with your kids, can you tell us a little bit about them? Like I know you have uh, Grace and Zach, right? Mm -hmm. And you said Grace is fifth grade and Zach, was it first grade? First Zach? grade. Oh, yeah. So do you, are either of them, do you notice getting into writing or getting well, like kind of taking on what you had that passion for at a young age as well? Well, they're both really confident, boisterous, like full of energy, which is amazing because they have so mm -hmm. much confidence in themselves. And I feel like if they keep that, that's going to be amazing. Um, Grace does write and she also does art. And she wrote me this song for Mother's Day. And she called it glow, and um, and I and I'm kind of amazed because her the way she she'll she'll make the melodies, but the way that she creates the melodies is very much like the way she colors. Um, there's like a sort of a harmonious chaos, which is kind of like my own work, which is how people have described it, like like the sublime with the grotesque, the, the discordant with the harmonious, but it kind of all comes together. And so I noticed that about her, and then. Zach loves to build stuff so he can put together stuff that you wouldn't imagine. And he's also got this very like sensitive nature that even at his age, he, he notices things and he's very like spiritual. Um, so it, it's funny though, because, because um, they both know that I'm a poet and I always think, well, what is it like to have, you know, an artistic person for a parent? Cause my parents are not artistic and they're just very matter of fact. And, so Zach will say to me, oh, I heard this poem and it was so horrible compared to yours or <sighs> things like that. Or they'll say, let's, let's work on a poem. And it's, it's just really cool to have that, you know, be able to talk to them about art and how, how it is accessible. We talked about it earlier, it's accessible to everyone. Um, anybody can paint, anybody can draw and they, and you should, yeah. you should do that and, and, you know, share it with other people. Um, and I think that's one of the really amazing things about it is that anybody yeah. can do it. And anybody can share it. Um, yeah, that's great. Oh, thank you for sharing yeah. about them. That sounds <laughs> sounds exciting. Like they're they're well on their way to really, uh, yeah, developing yeah. these these gifts that they have at a young age in the arts. Carrie, I was going to say you stole you took my question about how you know her influences and <laughs> in her music because I was going to ask you the same question because I know you're a design you're Me? an artist. Do you have any? Like music that you listen to? 
person. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's funny as, as you know, Nicole mentioned a little bit, it's changed a little bit since having a child, you know, in the back and he's young, my child's younger. So I have to really mm. listen if he's crying or needs stuff. He's two years old now, but the first two years of his life was, you know, super needy. You know, there, once I think when he gets a little older, maybe I can pull back. But when I'm working late at night, which is what I love, I love to work really late at night on my, if I'm doing art and over this pandemic, I've had a little extra time to be able to dedicate to that. So I, painted um additional paintings on my son's wall of disney characters i started when he was born with some and i've added now some and during the pandemic and i was working two three four a.m because it's mm. you know no, no no distractions not even text and stuff you're just focused which is what i like and i love just at that point i love having background music on and it's it's a good mix on my playlist i do a lot of contemporary christian music um, I do not do Gregorian chant. <laughs> I will say that. Um, although I do like listening to that during Lent uh, for meditative prayer. But uh, I do, um, I, I'm a big Coldplay fan. I yeah. love Coldplay and some um, some kind of music around like that genre, like that adult contemporary genre music, like a John Mayer and, you know, um, uh, you know uh, those kind of, kind of music. Like it's like kind of fun, upbeat, but not like, you know, rock or anything yeah. like that. Although I am a, a child of the '90s, like in, from being in high school, so I do love a good alternative rock music. I well. Yeah, I, I can appreciate a '90s alternative yeah. rock music. So, um, Green Day, things like that. Mm. So, hey, we'll, we'll see. You know, a little bit of everything, I guess you can find on my playlist for the most part. Um, that's that's where I'm at. But I do appreciate music in the background. I do find, as Nicole mentioned, inspiring. It kind of uh, jives those creative juices for me to be able to kind of just work better and kind of I don't know you just kind of like feel it you're like in the groove at that moment with that tonal background and it kind of fires me up a little bit in my feelings of wanting to paint more and do more and, and gets me in that zone which is usually found about 2 a.m nice. <laughs> that zone I gotta see some of your work so, yeah. I gotta see some of your work you gotta oh yeah I'll, I'll send you some pictures of the mural and all I posted on Facebook a while oh, back okay. but yeah I'll send yeah, cool. So, yeah, that's me. <laughs> but back to Nicole and her writing. <laughs> Pete, do you, have, do you do we want to let her read yeah. now? Oh, much, Did you think it's a good how time? How much time so, do we have left? We have uh, yeah, a little bit of time left. Sorry, I lost my timer. But um, I don't want it to, to go to the end without no, missing yeah. that. So why don't we do that? And then we'll have some time to comment on it and maybe share a little bit. We have about okay. 10 minutes I think left. that's I great. Think so, Nicole, yeah, you have whatever you want to read. Okay, so I'm going to be switching over to my document here, so I'll be looking at my screen while I read. Um, I think I had sent you guys a few poems, and you um, indicated which ones you liked. So um, I just want to say, so the first one I'm going to read is called um, Willis Bones. And um, just to provide a little bit of context, my son was born nine weeks early. He was nine weeks premature. And it was, you know, scary. And he was in the hospital for a while. And I also was thinking about a young boy who had been martyred, right? And what his mother might have had to go through. So <clears throat> this is kind of me conflating um, the feelings that I had when my son was first born with um, this experience that this mother had of her son, so it's called Lola's Bones. As a child, my mother asked me, will you die for Christ? Hickory incense, 
When I first held my nine weeks early son, briars broken, lamentations, I thought to clothe him in my own skin. My dispersal into a flock, a swarm, a gallery of winged stars. How easy to imagine I could die for him. I admit it, I didn't want to live without him. Heaven's a place full of swans of milk. Before it ever happens, you make a choice. Lilith's bones, his bones parted metal chimes, black calligraphy backlit through parchment. This wind, imagine Jose Luis Sanchez Del Rio, rebel fighting in the Cristero War, delicate skeleton seated to grow 12 pairs of ribs. Let's say the boy's captured. The soldiers tell him to renounce God. Jose's mother drew tiny star maps. Yes, the heavens on his souls. When I first touched my son, my mother said, if he doesn't live, he'll be with Christ. Shiny silver fish xylophone waiting in his nursery. My gossamer son, little bones, you'll bear my son to the end of his life. My secret ossuary, Jose's souls knifed off when he wouldn't deny. Imagine your child's martyrdom, your own. A choice some of us were born to make, like Jose who walked on holy ghosted bone feet in love, in desperate love, shouting, long live Christ the King, Christ my King. Soldiers shooting, missing till they didn't. Beautiful. Class. <laughs> and and I just have to say that what what I what I love about being able to write poems like this is that um, mainstream poetry journals will publish them. Um, mm. You know, I think sometimes there could be um, I don't know if you would call it a, a stigma or a turn away from say, say something that's religious, but I, but what I try to do in my work is to like I said humanize that story, and so. I remember even when I was writing this poem, thinking about St. Teresa, the little flower, how she couldn't go to be, how she couldn't wait to go to be with God. And I remember thinking, well, if somebody told me that I was going to die tomorrow, I'd be like, oh, like, cause you know, <laughs> I, I'm going to take care of my kids. And so right. it was real. And so I think that sometimes in, in the poems, it's like just like, you know, if you think about the music we sing in church, right. It's, it's just, it's, it's very crazy. It's praising God. And, so I feel like I try to bring a little bit more of the experience of being human and the struggle um, with, into the poems. Awesome. So and just, we're going to move on to another one now, okay. right? You said you're reading two today for us. Yes. Okay. All right. So this one I actually wrote during the pandemic and um, it's in a series that I'm going to include in my book in progress and it's called Meditation Excerpt Annunciation. One of Ireland's abandoned cloisters. Elsewhere, white thorn wound around a woman martyr's head reliquary. Be still, wildflowers at its center. Rising claret sky, its impossible nave. Burning muse, I walked into its feral stone, moss shipwreck when I was 16. What I wanted is still the same, to change my life. Mary's yes, after the archangel asked, in his opulent shadows. How do you live after all of heaven says yes back? Yet we still eat sugared croissants, wounds of grace, we're dying of love and strawberries gleam. 
yet again watching a hummingbird's tension, hovering, crimson, incandescent gorget, perfect little machine, sapphire smoke light. She said yes, joyful dart, a gilded prayer to witness her son die. What can you shape from terror in my faraway nights when I didn't know God, the pieces assemble as heifers, slow moving in a herd of breath across my mind's diorama. My heart turning as my son jostles in his crib, light on my tongue, our mortal scripture, foreshadow, forsake, and unbind, but heaven starts in the mind, earth's not our home, illumined and charred. Beautiful, claps again. Amazing. Now do you, do you, um, incredible. Uh, Nicole, how long does it take you to write that? Is, do you do like, I mean for me, like first draft or? So what I do, um, I don't, it's hard for me to write bad first drafts because if I write a bad first draft, then I'm like, I can't do anything with this. So what I do is I, I make lists of words um, in a Word document, words, phrases, and usually it, it'll be a page, page and a half, almost two pages. And then the poem starts coming together in my mind. And then I sit down and I start writing it. And I mean, yeah, I'll go through drafts, but I feel like when I sit down, the heart of the poem is there. The feeling is there that I want to evoke. Um, and so when I finish one poem, I'm like, oh, I'm empty. Now what? And then I start my next list of things, events, words, things that I want to include. And then it starts kind of filling up again until I feel like I'm ready to write it. Awesome. I'm jealous. While, from, you know, for, I'm just, I'm scribbling, throwing out, scribbling, throwing out. I think everybody has a different process, probably, and how it goes. I, I mean, again, I'm not a writer, but it just seems but like... But I threw away my whole first book. I mean, the whole first book that I wrote, there was one wow. I saved. And I mean, I, I never obviously had it published, but um, the whole first book was just, it was sort of practice. You know, and I think we evolve, so the more we do it, the better we get and stuff. Yeah, very true. Well, this has been a lovely time, uh, educational for me, hopefully for some of our listeners as yeah. well in learning about the art of poetry and, and the art of writing. And Pete, I don't know, do you have any final last words for us in, in this? Again, you're the oh, expert stop, I'm leaning on. Stop it. Mary, I just, you know, <laughs> I just love being in a room with creative people, in a Zoom room. I'm going to call it with creative people yes. because you, um, I'm just filled up now from hearing from two very creative people, a writer and an artist. And I just want to, I feel like I'm a sponge. I just want to soak up, you know, your inspiration, both of you and your, you know, like that vitality. I think that's, it's wonderful. So keep it up, Nicole. And, and uh, what is your website? Um, so my business website is strandwritingservices.com. And my personal website, for my poetry is NicoleMRollander.com. Okay. Rollander. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. We'll put with that us. in the show notes, right? Yeah, we will put that in the show notes. And Nicole, I want to thank you for your time today. Pete, thanks for being a co-host with me. And for all of our listeners, thank you for joining in. And we'll catch you again soon on Talking Catholic. God bless everyone. <laughs>